Welcome to the Vineyard Boise Sunday Message Podcast. You can join us live on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. on Facebook, YouTube, and vineyardboise.org slash live. Subscribe to our message podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. And if you'd like to support Vineyard Boise, you can give online at vineyardboise.org slash give. Today's message is brought to you by Pastor Trevor Estes. Enjoy. This morning is, in fact, Pentecost, and uh, I'm going to, without getting into that, I'm going to let our guest speaker do the introduction of that topic. So this morning, what we have is we have Jay Pathak. He's our national director for the vineyard. Jay's based in the Denver, Colorado area, and he's been our national director for about, going on about two years now. Uh, he's, he's been a part of the vineyard for decades but uh, he was appointed to be our national director. And so he's created a Pentecost message that actually is being played at Vineyard Churches all over the nation uh, today uh, as a way of us leaning into um, the message of Pentecost together. So without further ado, here is uh, Jay Pathak. Hey everybody, Jay Pathak here. I'm the National Director for Vineyard USA, and it's Pentecost Sunday. So I'm really excited to share with you, there's hundreds of vineyard churches all over the country that are taking this day to think about Pentecost. And if you've been in church, you kind of know what that name means, but there's probably a lot of you have never heard of this. And why would we think about Pentecost Sunday? And what even is Pentecost? It's kind of a weird name. And, and why are you going to focus all of the vineyard on this? And the reason is, is because, well, as the vineyard, we are a people of the Spirit. We believe in the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, that we can have encounters with the living God, that he's alive. And I don't know if you would agree, but it's my experience, at least in Denver, it seems to be true, that people are looking for the supernatural. People want to have experiences outside of just their own physical life and sort of the physical world that we live in. There's a place in Denver uh, that I drive by quite a bit where there's a famous psychic. And this person is so famous that there are people that are literally lined around the corner. Like around the block, there's a line of people that are waiting to get a tarot card reading or sort of a psychic reading. And it's like around the block every single day. The line starts at like seven in the morning and it kind of goes all the way till they're closed. And I think to myself every time I drive by, there's no line around the block to get into any church I know. You know, just waiting to get in, to have a spiritual moment, a spiritual experience. And why is that? It's as though, you know, people just don't think these kinds of things happen in church. Like you would have to go to a tarot card reader, a psychic, or somebody with crystals, or any number of other things, but not necessarily in a church. But we in the vineyard believe that when we're gathered together, when we worship, and when we do the kinds of things that you've done today, that God is among us, that he's with us by the power and the presence of his spirit. And 
that he intends to engage us in, in every way that we might experience him, not just think about him, not just believe in him, not just have ideas that help us think about our life, though we do that kind of stuff. You know, we'll teach and pastor and hang out and be together, but, but that we're led by his presence in a supernatural way. And this day, Pentecost Sunday, is a day that the church has remembered an incredible day that was after the death and the resurrection of Jesus, where he died, he rose again, and then in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so the disciples waited and they prayed for this outpouring of God's presence. So the passage is in Acts chapter 2. I think we'll have it up there for you too, but let me read it for us. In Acts chapter 2, Luke writing, because kind of Acts is a continuation of the Gospel of Luke. Luke writing says this, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated, came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who were speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthian, Medes, I don't know, I'm not going to read all the places because I'm going to mispronounce them from everywhere. All, all, the whole list, it goes all the way down to verse 11. Uh, I'll read the last one. And Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. I love the way that text ends. They've had too much wine. I, I know that we're in church. You're good Christians. So you would not probably even know what it looks like for someone to be drunk. You're like, Jay, I've, I've seen it in a movie. I've heard about it. It's possible you don't even know what we're talking about. But, but at the very least, what we know is that they're watching these people and they're going, they're behaving really strangely. Somehow they're all talking in all of our languages. It's quite literally a miracle. And there's some debate amongst scholars, like, is it that there's the, the miracle is that they can hear them speaking their own languages, or is the miracle that they're actually speaking in other languages? It's kind of important, like, is it interpretive, or is it the power to actually speak the other languages? Either way, we're not entirely sure. People can argue about that forever. But whatever this is, it's a miracle. It's wild. And if you go up and you look at the front of that text, whatever we know about what's going on, which is some kind of miracle of interpretation or speaking, some kind of way that they're behaving strangely like they're drunk, whatever this is, it's inherently experiential. The language that's used here is encounter language, right? I mean, listen to the things that are described. They see something that looks like tongues of fire. So it's visible, they can see it. They hear something that sounds like wind. So even this text, it says they all came running because they heard the sound. The question is, 
what was the sound? Is it the wind itself? Is it hearing all these people shouting out in other languages? We're not sure. The commentators argue about that. But whatever it is, this encounter with God is heard as wind. They feel something. You know, there's something happening in their affect and in the way that they're experiencing this. And this is consistent throughout the scriptures. Throughout the scriptures, when people experience God and specifically the Holy Spirit, the language that's used is things that are seen, felt, heard. Uh, the Holy Spirit is often described either in terms of fire, water, wind. Each of these descriptions necessitates an encounter, an experience with your senses, something that's seen, heard, or felt. So, this kind of crazy experience does something to them. And all of a sudden, we have Peter preach a message. I don't have time to read the entire passage. You can read it on your own if you want, but he preaches a message. In this message, he preaches about how this moment, this experience that they're having, where the presence and the power of the Spirit is poured out, is a fulfillment of what prophets had said hundreds of years earlier, specifically the prophet Joel that says that one day God will pour out his Spirit and people will hear from God and they will speak words from God and that old men will dream dreams, young men will see visions. And he uses this passage and he says, so here's the deal, guys. You're standing in a miraculous moment that God told you about a long time ago. And you should give your life to Jesus Christ because here's, here's what this proves. Here's what this moment with the Holy Spirit proves. That God came in the person of Jesus. He died, he rose again, and now he's pouring out his Spirit. Now, this is not a small thought. Um, I don't know if you've had somebody die recently or if you've had somebody near you get a terminal diagnosis. I mean, the fact of the matter is, I mean, I can say something definitively about you right now, and that is this. You are going to die. Every single one of us is going to die. Uh, actually, it's worse than that. Right now, you are dying question is just how quickly you're dying. You're dying right now. Right now, as you're breathing, you're a breath closer to dying. It, your heart is a heartbeat closer to dying. Your body proves this to you. Like you're decaying, aren't you? You know, your knees feel a little different than they did. Not the, Some of you are young. You're going, no, I feel great. I'm getting stronger. You will. You won't. It's, it's coming. It, your, your body, you know, there's hair will grow out of your ears. All kinds of things demonstrate that the world around you, including you, is decaying. You are dying. And death is the biggest obstacle. It's the thing that we most have to contend with. It's the thing we most fear. Here's the crazy message of Peter, and that it runs through the story. Jesus has pierced through the veil of death. And that should give us great encouragement. It means that you can follow Jesus. Even through death, you can have hope. You can have life. And, and listen, it's worth pausing right now to just talk to you. If you're not sure if you have a life with Jesus, uh, here's the great news. God made a way for you to have life with him that you would never have to be afraid of anything, even death, because God came and he reached for you. 
Uh, this is where the life that we have in Jesus stands apart from every other religious system. Every other religious system says, you gotta do this and not do that. And if you just subscribe to this and you don't subscribe to that, then you're sort of in with God. But here, here's the message that we find in the scriptures, even in Peter's little speech here at Pentecost, which is this. You will never reach to God. Like, there's no way to try to be good enough, to try hard enough. God reached to you in the person of Jesus Christ. Your arms were not long enough to reach to him, but his were long enough to reach to you. And here's the question. Here's the challenge for each of us that each of us has to consider is this. For most people, they think that the dividing line in life with God is between good and bad. Am I a good person? Am I a bad person? Here's what the scriptures say. The scriptures say really clearly, no, that's not the right dividing line. It's all bad people. Like however bad you think you are, it is so much worse than you know. And no matter how good you think certain people are, they are way worse than they show you. I mean, amen, married people, right? You, you know you know who your spouse is. You know the flaws that no one else knows. All the more true than a holy God who is perfect and loving, how much more in the light of his brilliance do your flaws show? He is unlike anyone you've ever imagined. He's more loving and good and kind than you can imagine. And so here's the, the, the difference of the message that's found in Jesus. The dividing line is not between good and bad. The dividing line is between humble people and prideful people. Will you receive the gift that's offered in Jesus Christ? And this is the basic message of Peter, which is this proves that this death, this resurrection, his ascension is for you. He came for you. Now, the question is, will you receive that gift of life? And what's amazing about this sermon is it says 3,000 people were added to their number that day. I mean, this is Peter. This is a guy that just failed just the other page, right? Like he messed everything up. But even in his life, it shows that Jesus came for him to pull him into a different kind of life. So it's worth starting and saying, have you received that? Have you said yes to the life that's offered in Jesus? But there's more than that in this passage. As Jesus pierced through death into a new life, it also means that as he poked that hole through that thin veil of this physical world, it means now that heaven is breaking backward into this world. It's not just that he shows a way into heaven, but now he's made a way for heaven to come to earth. And that's what's being expressed in this moment. The power and the presence of God is being poured out on people. And, and this power is so overwhelming, it's changing the way even their body works and uh, what they say and how they behave to where they look drunk to other people. But here's the basic thought. And this is really important you hear this. There's many people who have been raised in church who have not heard what I'm about to say. And I think it holds up if you read through the whole scriptures. The story of the Bible is not base, it's basically not a message of how you get to heaven. Many of you have heard, man, the reason you need to know Jesus is so you can get to heaven. That's basically not the message. The message is this. Jesus did stuff so that heaven gets into you. It's not about you trying to get into heaven. It's about heaven getting into you. And that's what we experience with the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. We're experiencing the power of heaven in our bodies, in our lives, in our minds. And this isn't like some otherworldly experience. It's not like 
you know, you're going into some kind of fake, thin existence. You know, when people think of heaven, they're thinking about like harps and clouds and, you know, all those cartoon images. It's actually quite the opposite according to the scriptures. According to the Bible, the world you're living in now is a fake world. It's corrupted, it's fragile, it's broken, it's decaying. And when heaven breaks in, it's like you're suddenly introduced to reality. The fullness and the thickness of a life with God, frankly, is more weighty and powerful than this thin world that we live in. That's why people's bodies react. Uh, they, They talk differently, they act differently. They experience things that maybe even would set their body to right. That's what we see as healing in the scriptures, is what is promised in heaven where everything's made right and it's restored and new and whole. When the presence and power of the kingdom of God comes, the the Holy Spirit, it sets things to right, restores things. Um, I don't know if you've ever run Alpha, if you have Alpha in your church, or if you've not heard of Alpha um, I think it's worth looking up online. And, you know, it's a class that came out of some Anglican churches in the UK, but we in the Vineyard have been partnering with them and working with Alpha all across the country. And I love Alpha because it's a great experience for people that don't really know what they think about Jesus or life with God to be able to come in, learn some things, ask some questions, have a discussion around a meal. And many people discover a new kind of life with God by participating in Alpha. And so we run Alpha in our church, and there's a story, there's one moment that happened that really changed me, uh, where there was a guy uh, in one of our Alpha classes, a guy named Alex. He was, he's an atheist, and then he was, he's an engineer. Do you know engineers? You know, people like spreadsheets. You know, they like things that are like really specific and, they, you know, concrete that they can manage. And so Alex is in our Alpha class, and he's just, taking the opportunity to argue every single time we're talking about life with God. And he's like, well, how do you know this? You can't prove that. And, and I remember thinking, why is he here? I think maybe he just liked to argue with people. I'm not, I'm not sure. But we had a thing that was called, uh, the, the weekend away, which many times you do in alpha. And he's sitting there listening to us teach. And that one we were doing live and I was teaching about the Holy spirit. And we did our first talk. And I remember he grabbed me in the hallway and he said, Hey man, I'm not sure what you're doing, but I can tell it's like crescendoing, like you're about to try to do something, like to us. I want to be clear, I'm not doing it. I don't know what you're doing, but I'm not going to do it. I said, that's fine. And the very next talk was being filled with the Holy Spirit. And so I do this whole talk, I'm being filled with the Holy Spirit. And you end by telling people, if you would like to be filled with the Holy Spirit, we would love to pray for you. Why don't you just stand right where you're at? You can just stand up and we'll pray that you're filled with the Holy Spirit. And sure enough, right then, Alex just pops to his feet. He's right in front of me. And I walk over to him and I'm like, I thought you said you weren't going to do it. He said, yeah, I know, but I'm already here. Why not? I'm like, well, what, I don't, you want to be filled with the Spirit? He's like, Sure. I'm like, well, I don't, I don't think it works like that. I think, I think you kind of have to want, like you're asking God for something. He's like, okay. And I'm like, no, again, that, I don't know. I don't know if that's like a real confession of faith. You have to be saying, yeah, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And he's like, okay, yeah. I'm, no, I, uh, I, don't feel, I don't know if it works like this. And, you know, we're going back and forth. 
And finally he says, you know what, Jay, if this is true, why wouldn't I want more of God? So yeah, of course. So I put my hand on his chest and I said, Alex, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And he fell to his knees and he started sobbing, he's crying. And I don't know if you've ever been in a moment like this in prayer where you're praying for someone or you're even in a moment by yourself praying or someone's praying for you and it's overwhelming. You have like an experience with God, much like we talked about, where something is felt, something is experienced. You're not just passing notes under the door. You have an experience of God. And he's crying and he's, you know, and you know, and I don't know if you've ever been in these moments, you pray, it starts to get awkward because you're like, I don't know, should I just, how long do I, how long do I do this? You know, like what point do I just walk away? So finally, I just walked away. I just wandered off. It was like, I don't know, 15 minutes later, he's just there crying. So then we have a break and it's like in the break, he sees me in the hallway, he goes, I got to talk to you. And I'm thinking, I bet you do. And he, he grabs me and he says, Jay, this is real. I said, yeah, I know. I know, I know it's real. And he goes, no, no, not like the way, not like the way you're saying. I mean, it's like real. I go, I know, I know, that, I know this is real. He goes, no, no, and he's a little frustrated. He's like, no, I'm not like the way, like a preacher says things are real. I mean, like, it's like real. And, and this, this time I'm a little, I'm a little offended, like, what did you think I was doing this whole time? Like, I'm just making stuff up. And, and he goes, and he could see I'm a little thrown off. He, and he pauses, he goes, no, I mean, this is real like gravity is real. It's real like that. And I'll never forget that because he was trying to say something significant. You know, he was living in a world where he said, okay, I do all my normal life. And then there's this sort of spiritual, moral stuff you try to tell me about with Jesus and dying and stuff that's really far from me. But Jay, this thing, this life that we have with God, this life that Jesus has given us is as real or maybe more real than gravity. And I, I want to say the scriptures make a really clear case that that's true. There's some of you that, you know, you maybe believe the right thing. You've maybe said the right things or tried to do the right things. You even find yourself in church, but you kind of think, yeah, I mean, I, but then I go and do my real life. This is kind of this thin churchy thing, but then, then you have to do your real life. And what Alex was saying is what the scriptures say is true is that, no, this life that we have with God is real like gravity is real. Actually, it's more real than that because this life that we have with God will extend past even your death. This life we have with God will change and transform and make all things new again. So I guess the question that you have to answer, which I can't answer for you, is how much reality do you really want? How much of life with God do you really want? A.W. Tozer, who is a great theologian, thinker, preacher, he had a question he would ask when he talks about the Holy Spirit. I think it's a really good question. He would ask, do you want to be possessed by the Holy Spirit? Do you want to be possessed by the Holy Spirit? It's kind of a strange term, isn't it? I mean, if I said instead, just like this, would you like to be possessed? <laughs> I, think, I think each one of you would go, no. <laughs> because when we say possessed, we automatically think of evil, don't we? You think of some 
dark movie you've seen, some, you know, where some, somebody's, their heads, I mean, again, I know you're Christian, so you've probably never seen anything like this, but your their head spins around and they shoot like green liquid out of their mouth or whatever, and, right? I mean, there's always some little girl involved in these movies. I don't know why. But anyway, like, like there's this, those are the images that, you know, and it's kind of darkly lit, maybe a strobe light or something. That's what you think of when you think of possession. And what, what do we mean when we think about demonic possession or possessed by evil? What we mean is some kind of force, some kind of personal force that's evil inhabits maybe your body, your mind, changes your personality and the way that you think and the way that you feel. That's what it means to have evil possess you. Tozer's question is really relevant because what he's saying is in the same way evil can Change like even maybe how you might talk or feel, experience others in the world around you. And Tozer says, you know, many people, they want enough of the Holy Spirit to just sort of make it through life. But he says, but do you want to be possessed by the Holy Spirit? Uh, we don't have time to look at it, but you can look at it later in Ephesians chapter 5. Paul says, don't get drunk with wine. You know, don't do these other things that people do instead, because that's a way of feeling filled, of being influenced. He says, instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Speak to one another in spiritual ways, like sing songs and hymns uh, with gladness in your heart. Connect to one another and ask that you might be filled, immersed, overwhelmed by the presence of the Holy Spirit. And he, and he effectively says, the, the verb form he uses there is, be filled and keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. So I ask you again, do you want to be possessed by the Holy Spirit? To have God immerse you with his presence, his love, his mercy, his kindness. The New Testament talks about fruit of the Spirit. Like your very character can change as you've been encountered by, filled and keep on being filled by the Holy Spirit. Self-control, kindness, different kinds of attributes are fruit of the Spirit because you're being filled with the Spirit. Some of you have been trying so hard. I'm trying not to be angry. I'm trying to have self-control, trying to overcome these things. What the Scripture says, what you need is to yield yourself to the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Do you want to be filled afresh with the power of the Holy Spirit? See, in the vineyard, we're a people that say, come Holy Spirit. Spirit. It's an ancient prayer. We pray it all the time in our gatherings. Come, Holy Spirit. We're not saying God isn't already with us. What we are saying is warm our affections to you. Touch our bodies. Touch our minds. Take over our lives. Fill this place and all of us with the power and the presence of heaven itself. Let me just say one last thing, and then we're going to take a minute now, and we're going to pray and we're going to ask God to fill you afresh with his spirit. Uh, many, if not all of our vineyard churches, take time every week to wait on God, to listen to God, and to pray for one another because every Sunday can be Pentecost Sunday. I want to just give you one last thought. 
where some of you are nervous. You're saying, you know, I was in a church tradition where I was told if you open yourself up spiritually, what if like, instead of bumping into God, you bump into a demon? Like, am I allowed to say, you know, open myself and say, God, give me your spirit. What if something evil comes in? Well, Jesus addresses this directly. He says this interesting thing at the end of teaching on prayer where he says, you know, which of you fathers, though you are evil, I mean, first of all, he calls all dads evil, not entirely wrong, but though you are evil, which of you fathers, that if your son were to ask you for a fish, would they give you a scorpion instead? Or if you were, if you were to ask for bread, they would give you, you know, a, a snake. I mean, what dad would torture their kid by giving them something evil when they ask for something good? He says, but here's the deal. You who are evil kind of, you know, you wouldn't do that. How much more, here's how it ends. How much more then will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to anyone who asks? How much more then will God give his spirit to those who ask? All over the vineyard, all over this country, frankly, outside of this country, around the world, We're coming before God again and saying, come Holy Spirit, fill us afresh. Fill our churches, fill our lives. Because here's the truth, guys. What God wants to do in the world is going to take a lot more than your intelligence, your best effort, our best gifts, the most charisma we have. We need to be filled afresh with the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. So let me pray for us. So Holy Spirit, I pray for each church, each vineyard church, I pray that you would come. We pray the ancient prayer, come Holy Spirit, fill us afresh. And there's some today that today is their day to just say yes to you, Lord Jesus. They came with a friend. They're not even sure why they're here, but they're realizing right now because you're speaking to them that this is real. This is true, and it's time for them to yield, to receive the gift of life that's offered in you, Jesus, that you died, you rose again, you ascended, and you're calling their name. So for those those who are thinking that right now, reach to them now, Lord. There's others of us that we've been followers of you, but we've been dry, We're, we're tired, we're worn out, and we say again, come Holy Spirit, pour out your Spirit on every vineyard church right now. Pour out your spirit afresh and pour out your spirit on every church, the whole body of Christ. We say, God, we need a a refreshing of, of your spirit. We need the water of your presence to quench us. We need the wind of your spirit to carry us. We need the fire of your spirit to burn away everything that should not remain. And I pray a fresh outpouring of your presence. Fill us afresh. Come, Holy Spirit. Amen. I so appreciate Jay's leadership and um, who he is and what he brings. And I, uh, I'm so grateful for the opportunity for us as a church to, um, to experience that together. Um, as I was just listening to this message again, I, I, uh, I just sense, first of all, I, I believe that many, if not all, 
many people that are just, that just heard this message from Jay uh, on Pentecost. Uh, maybe you're here on campus. Maybe you're gathering online. But there was something in particular that stirred your heart. Something that, that, uh, that awakened something in you where maybe it was a, a, just a, a spiritual longing or a, oh, if only that were true. He actually covered a lot of ground. There's a lot of, lot of ways that this message could be applied because, because there's not just one manifestation of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's like a, a multifaceted gem. And so what we like to say, we, we give God our unqualified yes. Brent's language this morning was we, we, we give him our surrender. Right? We say, yeah, we want everything that would come from your hand and your heart today. Every manifestation of your spirit. For some, that might involve responding to the invitation to eternal life. And as Jay shared, it's not just about getting into heaven. Definitely includes that. But it's about heaven entering into our lives right now. It's about being possessed, inhabited by the spirit of the living God. Transformed, changed, shaped, empowered, sent. For some, today might be the first time to say, I want to say yes to Jesus. For some, it just even as Jay was sharing there at the end, there's a, there may be a sense of just weariness. We live in a world that can cultivate weariness, can't it? Sometimes we come and we gather together and we say, Holy Spirit, would you fall afresh? I need you to, to awaken my heart to soften the places where I've grown hard or, or warm the places where I've grown cold. And I welcome your, your presence. Here's the thing about the early church. We're gonna ask the team if they'd put that verse back up. Jay alluded to a couple verses from Acts. First of all, Jesus said, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift that he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Jesus did not want the church, not the early church, not the 21st century church, to try and live the, the lives he's called us to live, not the lives as his followers, not the lives as his missionaries. He didn't want us to live it apart from, from his empowering presence because we can't. Some of us have bumped up against those limitations. We've bumped up against our own lack of self-control, our own anger issues, whatever those issues are where we go, I'm trying to change to, to be like Jesus. Can't do it on our own. So we come back and we say, come Holy Spirit. The next verse here. Go one more. Uh, what's the next one? That's all you got? I got a second one. You're right. That's all I gave you. That's, that's on me. That's not on Rob. Well, here's the thing. Jesus told them to wait and to gather together. But the empowerment of the Holy Spirit wasn't just about their gathering. It started there, but it sent them into the world to live the life he called them to live, to live out the gospel. So he said, you, as a result of this, you'll go and you'll be my witnesses. 
Church, we're, we're a church that gathers. There's something that's special that happens when we gather. We gather and, and Jesus told his disciples, I want you to wait. I want you to be together. I want you to wait. The Holy Spirit's gonna come upon you, but then you're gonna go. And so we, won't want, we don't wanna leave here unchanged. Not any time we come. Like Jay said, every Sunday is Pentecost. We don't ever wanna leave the same way we came. Come as you are, but don't leave as you came, right? That's the work of the Holy Spirit. So what did you need to hear today? I was going to give you a minute. What's the invitation to you today? you, would you stand with me if, you're, if you can? Last song the worship team led us in this morning was the song they're playing now, and they're going to lead us in that again. I noticed, I noticed when they started that song, the, something happened in the room. There's just the, the volume raised. It was, it was a hunger. I don't know if you, if you heard it, but there was, there was, it was giving us a way to express this longing. And I think that longing's even greater now having listened to this message. So we're gonna sing this song. We're not just singing a song. We're singing a prayer. We're giving God our yes. We're giving God our surrender. And we're giving him a blank check. Whatever you have, God. I love that the early church, they didn't know what they were waiting for. They didn't conjure anything up. It wasn't their idea that they would go out and speak in foreign languages, that all the foreigners who were gathered in Jerusalem that weekend would be able to understand. That wasn't their idea. That was God's idea. So the question today isn't, God, let's do that again. It was, God, what's your idea for us yeah. today? Yeah. And I think there's something for us corporately, all of us. I think there's something for many of us individually. So we're going to sing this song, and we're just going to, Sing it. Make it. We're going to pray it. Some of you may, may know that you need to come up, that there's something in you that in order to say yes to what God's doing in you today, you need to step out and come up front. And if that's you, you know that's you. Just pay attention to that. You don't, you don't have to come up in order to respond today. In fact, like this is the beauty of the vineyard is we respond where we are. But some of you know that God's inviting you to come up. Your heart's pounding, you're stirring, you're sensing a stirring. I want to invite you to come up and we want to pray for you, especially if this is the first time that you're responding to Jesus for life, for eternal life, that thing that Jay was talking about. Or if you, maybe you've been resistant to the baptism of the Holy Spirit, to the possession, the inhabiting of the Holy Spirit. Maybe that's something you've been wary of or you're just not sure. Many Christians wonder, like, do I have the baptism of the Holy Spirit? If you have questions about that today, but you want more, you want more of God today, then I invite you to come down as we're singing. And we have a prayer team that we'd love to pray with you. And um, yeah, let's pray.
Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit. Spirit of the living God, come fall fresh on me, come wake me from my sleep.
day of Pentecost in Acts, it says that they were all together with the same idea. They all had the same heart. They all wanted the same thing. This morning, all over this room, can we just, just open up your heart and just say, Jesus, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Just begin to lift up your own prayer to the Lord, your own request to the Lord all over this room. Not in a rush. Fill us right now with the power of your Holy Spirit to go be your witnesses here in Garden City, in Boise, in Idaho, in the United States, and to the ends of the earth. Be filled with the Holy Spirit now, the power of God. Be filled with the Holy Spirit now to go be his witnesses to the ends of the earth, to the ends of the earth. We're not in a rush. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Oh, to overflow, to overflow. Oh, we want your wind, we want your fire, we want your power. We want your wind, we want your fire, we want your power. Oh, fill us with your glory, fill us with your Oh, fill us with your fire, fill us with your oil. Oh, come with your rain, come with your rain and rain on us. Oh, rain on us, rain on us with the power of your spirit. Oh, with the power of your spirit. Oh, set our hearts on fire, set our hearts ablaze. began to move and began to fill and began to anoint them with his Holy Spirit. And really it's because there's no way they could do what they were called to do without him. 
There's no way they could do what they were called to do without the empowering Holy Spirit. And today, some of you are feeling you're looking ahead at your life. You're looking ahead at your day, at your tomorrow, at your week, at your month, at your life. And you're just saying, there's no way I can do this without you. And that's why he's brought us full stop today to say, hey, be filled with my Holy Spirit. So we just, can we just express our dependence on him and just say, God, I can't go without you. I can't do this without you. I can't step into tomorrow. I can't step into what you've called me to do. Would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? Come on, let's cry out. Just say, fill me with your Holy Spirit, God. I need you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit, God. I need you. Fill us with your Holy Spirit power, God. We need you. to go pick up your kids or head out, let's go for it. God bless you. Formally, we're dismissed for the day, but I don't know about you. I'm just hungry and thirsty for Jesus. Yeah. So we're just gonna, if you need to go, God bless you. Just go be a carrier of his presence everywhere you go. We have some words for prayer. These are things our prayer team just felt prompted from the Holy Spirit this morning. All of a sudden, see, you said, leave me alone. Also, have you run out of water? Taste and see, go with me. Also, somebody needs healing for lower back pain. Also, someone needs to hear your heavenly Father is proud of you. If you need prayer for any of these things, you wanna respond to the Holy Spirit for these things, just come on up front. We wanna make sure you are ministered to today and prayed with. But we're just gonna keep pressing into the presence of God if that's okay. If you wanna hang out, hang out. We're just gonna keep pressing into the presence of God. Thanks for listening. To respond or receive prayer after the live stream closes, please email prayer at vineyardboise.org. And if possible, include your phone number. We'd love to get in touch with you. Thanks.